Hey, welcome back to Joe on Joe. It's me, your host, Joe Slepsky, and I am uh, excited to dig further into the extreme era of G.I. Joe with episode three. And uh, I, as with all things extreme, you can't just have one person handling things that are extreme. You need multiple podcasters to handle things that are extreme. And so I reached out, or rather, rather, he reached out to me, Mike Irizarry, host of What's on Joe Mind podcast, and said, hey, let's pod together. Because quite frankly, I agree. I think extreme requires two professional podcasters. Mike Irizarry, welcome to Joe on Joe. Thanks for having me, Joe. And it is a, a, an honor and a privilege to be extreme. Extreme. Yeah, my uh, we, <laughs> we finished recording the other day. And my my wife says, uh, she's like, hey, you know, you're, you're recording again. How's it feel? Feel good? She goes, I go, yeah. She goes, yeah, it sounded great, except for all the extreme screams. She, <laughs> she's like, I don't need to hear those anymore. <laughs> but I think uh, I think have no choice. It's part of the new reality. It is part of the new reality, quite frankly. Um, and I'm dedicated to it. I don't know if listeners caught in the. Uh, uh, in the file cards, all of the, and, and I probably shouldn't be doing it. I, it's, you know, I don't know. It's a copyright issue, but I've been doing it for a long time and I try to keep it muted enough to where it's not full on, but I, I've been using extreme music and I plan on using extreme music for the remainder of the extreme era. Hey, no, he, dude, you're talking to a guy who the close of every podcast is a different pop song. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like, I like, um, I like when I put those together, I like to find uh, like odd connections to the to the song with bouncing with the character that we're talking about. Um, I've had some listeners like find that connection and um, and it, that always tickles me, you know, because I, I don't want it to be so on the nose. But in this case, you know, more than words by extreme. I mean, you can't go wrong. Nothing says G.I. Joe extreme like more than words. Little, little Gary Sharon to lighten your day. <laughs> so, Mike, you've uh, you've been you host the What's on Joe Mind podcast, which is wonderful. Uh, you've got some amazing pipes, my friend. And tell me about Thank the you. tell me about the podcast. How long have you been hosting it? How long has the podcast been around? What's uh, what's the story of tell, plug Joe on Joe? What's on Joe Mind? It is uh, nine years. Wow, this month. 2020 as we record this so we will be an active podcast for nine years i was not there at the very beginning uh my employment situation at that time did not i was working nights so i couldn't mm. do record times with the rest of the cast but i was the bench guy so when somebody missed i would sub in so i first showed up pretty early i think of episode three or four maybe both of them but there were a couple of the early ones where I, I was there. And um, we've had a number of, of cast changes and and job changes within the cast. And I've, I've gone from being the sub to being the, the nutty guy who, who gets to just smart off from the little chair <laughs> uh, to being the guy who runs around and, and gets interviews. Uh, and now I've, I'm the producer and the lead host. I guess you could call it. I, I don't get to make as many jokes anymore. I leave that for the the, the other folks. <laughs> but it, it's most I I have I have a background in radio, and and so 
when when Gary stepped away from the program, who was the guy who did all of our production stuff for several years, I was the only one who knew how to do it. So <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> mandatory at that point. <laughs> well, I appreciate you keeping that torch alive, man. Um, I, and I know your listeners do too. It's uh, GI Joe is one of those properties that has a really, really dedicated fan base and a strong fan base, but it's over the years, it's, it's dwindled, you know, and, and you are, are, and your show is, is part of the reason why it's the, the fire has been able to, to stay lit for so long. You know, I've likened this, I've likened like the last few years of GI Joe fandom to like the seventies for star Trek, you know, where it's just the fans keeping it alive, waiting for the studio to do something good with it. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah. And thankfully, a much shorter one. Yeah, right, right, right. And and uh, hopefully, I got, I got high hopes for that Snake Eyes movie. Oh, I do too. If if at the very least, it's going to be, you know, one of the, the big, heavily promoted movies of the fall. You know, they're they're going to spend their ad money. Mm-hmm. Well, so even if yeah. that movie, even if that movie bombs, people are going to know about it, they, and, and maybe that'll be enough to get yeah. at least some some totally uh, and some. some and with dealing with what we're dealing with now, so many movies have been pushed. There's going to be a, I think there's going to be a real thirst for people to get out and get to the theater and watch these big budget movies. It feels like summer might be pushing to the fall, you know, as far as like the, the dollar spend for people's entertainment dollars. Yeah. So, so that, that could bode really, really well for snake eyes, assuming, you know, uh, cesspool doesn't strike with another pandemic in the fall. For real. Yeah. Where's airtight when you need them? Eh, probably on retirement at this point. Yeah, you're right. You he totally would be. <laughs> he's, he's. I watched in the, thirty-five years ago. The guy's got to be. In yeah, it's now, so right? true. In the uh, uh, in in these pandemic days, you're watching everything and everything that you normally don't get around to watching. And I actually got around to watching this, the movie Battleship. And at the end, when they they steal the old school World War II battleship, and it's staffed with all the ex guys. And and I'm my my assumption. I believe they were real life military veterans who were in the movie, but they're all the World War II retirees, you know, and uh, and they help them fight the invaders. And I was watching it going, yeah, that would be G.I. Joe right now. That would be, that, that that exactly would be the guys from the 80s staffing the old USS flag that they had to pull out out of the water to stop the alien incursion. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking that uh, really what I feel like some days is, is one of those nameless gray beards at the end of retaliation that uh, Joe Colton pulls out of. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Totally, same thing. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly right. And again, so so let's talk about that. I've said this. I've beat this drum a million times. In GI Joe, there's so many characters to play with. When they pulled out the old guys, and also when they pulled out in, in the first movie when they went to the pit, why not just make those the characters that we love? Why not have them turn to guy and go, "Hey, barbecue, you ready to do this?" And barbecue be like, "Yeah, blowtorch, let's go." You know. I don't understand that rationale of not doing of not doing that kind of fan service in either one of those two movies. When we had the opportunity to talk to John Chu, mm-hmm. uh, we actually addressed that with him. Oh, and, and he said that originally the plan was in retaliation. Anyway, I can't speak to Rise of Cobra, but in retaliation, the plan was that those old guys were going to be Stalker and Clutch and Steeler. Awesome. And all the, the old Joes. But they also didn't know where the franchise was going at that point. So they didn't want to burn, in quotes, potential characters that they might want to build another movie around. 
Dead. So as as the the thing there was to because the, the plan was to make a GI Joe three. Retaliation was successful enough that they were talking about a sequel for a while. Um, they didn't want to be in a situation where, uh, say, they needed a vehicle expert, and they wanted to cast Steeler, but Steeler was already this sixty year old guy from the previous movie. Sure, that is um, that is mad oh. that is maddening. And that is anger-inducing. I'm going to quote yes, Werner Herzog, who was recently, when when they were filming The Mandalorian, and they mentioned to him that they were thinking about not using the real-life puppet and going for a CGI puppet, Baby Yoda. He said, you cowards! You must use the puppet! You're all cowards! <laughs> I feel like that applies to that story. Cowards. Make a choice. You have so many members of the team. Just make a choice. Say, okay, we're going to use Clutch this time, but then maybe next time we use, um, I don't know, what's his name, who who drove uh, cross, who drove the, uh, cross country. You know, like you bring in cross country. Just make a decision. Oh, that's terrible. That's the, oh, man, that's frustrating. Well, I mean, Clutch was supposedly in the beginning of the movie, so Clutch wouldn't have been one. He was already dead. Oh, sure. Oh, well, then, yeah. Well, that's also smart, but too. Let's murder, like let's murder like half the team. So- Clutch, what, now, was that in the credits? How do we know that Clutch, because I, I don't remember seeing that, but I, I believe you. But was that a credit reveal, or how was how did you know that Clutch was in the beginning? I, I don't remember exactly where that got confirmed. I, I wish I did. It's been too long. Um, I Because I, he wasn't, I don't think he was a guy who had lines. I think he was just... A dude. Yeah. Like, okay. I think it, it might have been a credit reveal, or somebody was driving a Jeep and... Called it clutch. Called him clutch. I, I don't. No, no. It makes I just me, don't remember. That makes me more sad. It's not as sad as uh, Jimmy Olsen getting murdered in uh, in Batman v Superman without even getting a name check. As Superman flies overhead, yeah. Why, he, Superman's there to protect Lois, but apparently he doesn't care about the CIA agent. <laughs> Screw off, Olsen. Yeah. Thanks for the what. Yeah, he's okay with the CIA agent getting murdered, but if they turn their guns on Lois, he's there to help. Good, good guy, that Superman. Um, well, this is great. Now, you, now you host uh, what's on Joe Minds with uh, Joe Colton, who's a cosplayer and Joe expert, correct? Yes. And uh, is she your regular, like regular only regular co-host, or because there was another guy? I believe his name is Mark. We just just recently uh, have named Mark Weber as a full time cast member awesome uh, so that we have two hosts that are quote full-time besides myself that's great and he's got some great bona fides himself he he you were saying he's a former head of marketing for gi joe with hasbro correct which is why he is he is the honcho yeah i mean he must have <laughs> he must have stories all day the episodes i've listened to have been very informative that he does we did one episode now mark has been guest hosting with us for a while and uh, so there's a number of episodes that he's already been the host for. I think there were a lot of folks out there that already thought he was the, the full-time host. Mm-hmm. But by his for, by his own choice, just because of, of what he had going on, he, he didn't want to make the full-time commitment at that particular point. So uh, there was one episode where, where the, the hosts were, I, I didn't have uh, Joe for whatever reason, and so I had already had Mark on board, and we subbed in for Joe. We subbed in Bobby Bala, 
who had the that job for, for oh, yeah. as the, the head marketing for G.I. Joe after Mark. And the two of them even worked together for a while on the brand at Hasbro. So we, we had a, a good time with that one. That one was, was a lot of inside sports. I bet. That's, that's fantastic. I'm sure you're... It's, it's, it's great to have Mark along, because Mark, in, in his pre-toy life, uh, Mark is an old radio guy, too. Oh, good. So he's, yeah, he's, well, he so sounds he great. To, he yep. knows, yeah, he knows how to tell a story, and, and he knows how to, how to move a discussion along, and uh, he takes a lot of pressure off of uh, Joe and I to continue to just bang our heads against the wall and, okay, what next? <laughs> well, listen, somebody- I, I don't envy you guys that do the more, um, you know, because like on my show, I have this the episode, so I know every episode, I just I cover that episode, I interview who I'm talking to, and, you know, it's it's it, it the form creates itself. But to the, the fact that you guys are doing it with, you know, breaking news and keeping up with the more current events on, on Joe is is admirable like i i don't envy that that's really great yeah it, it's difficult it, that really is the, the most difficult part of it is figuring out when you're going to record and then overlapping that with times that they can record mm-hmm. yeah it's very cool and, and that's a big part of why over the years we've, we've had what what i call the bench with that because there there might just be some random night where we really have to get to something before it, it becomes stale mm-hmm. and you know mark can't go so we'll, we'll, we'll sub in somebody like dave draper from Boy World or or we'll get brian lower from from youtube from yeah. uh, hcc yep yeah he brings uh, great guys like that just to step in and, and they're they're willing to go and and so we, we like keeping our our rancid tendrils in the community <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, man, I, uh, I'll stop blowing smoke up your skirt, but I appreciate you, man. I appreciate big time what you do. And, and Joe Colton's great. And now do you, has she been, uh, was, so she's a, so she, was she a, like a, takes the Joe Colton and that's her name for cosplaying. Was yes. she a big GI Joe fan beforehand? Did she get into it? Like, did she start cosplaying as like say Baroness or something like how did that's, I think it's great that she's doing that. And she does so many like Joe centric cosplays. It, it's really the first circle where she first started getting notoriety. Mm, okay. uh, Joe was somebody who she went to Joe Con and stuff, and 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 I believe the first couple she went to, she didn't do any kind of costume. She just went as a fan. Cool. And then she started cosplaying, and uh, I think the first one that she did was the Baroness, but then the one that everybody knows her for in GI Joe circles is Scarlet. Got it. And so a lot of times if you're at a show and you see Scarlet, there, there's at least good odds that it's our, our friend Joe Bolt. Awesome. And she does not get nearly enough props for just being a toy maniac. What's... Like everybody thinks, oh, she's the girl. Oh, she does costumes. No. I've been to her house. That woman has stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I I was impressed with her with her depth of knowledge, you know. just And I say that... Um, just because I think, you know, G.I. Joe typically skews male, you know. So when I first started listening to you, I was like, oh, she's, she knows what she's talking about. She's really great. So she does a really fantastic job as well. Yeah, we, we make it a point. Uh, we try at least once a year to, to do what we call the ladies' night episode. <laughs> in which uh, I, I give her the big chair and, and she gets her, her female cohorts in just to, to run what's essentially a normal what's on Joe mind just to 
remind everybody that this is not just the boys club for sure this is for everybody for sure and uh you know it's funny you say that gi joe skews male and it certainly does but out of all of the major boy fandoms i think it skews more female than most of them and it's because gi joe's got such a great roster uh maybe a, a too small one but a great roster of just kick-ass female yes i agree with you the, and, and they're all um they're all uniquely personified they all have very distinct personalities and characters and characteristics and they stand out i totally agree with you um you know between baroness Dorana, um i think probably lady you know lady j scarlet i think the um probably cover girl is the most overlooked and if you're a joe fan you know that she's great but i think she doesn't tend she doesn't tend to stand out as much oh and jinx is also amazing and she i mean they all just look so great and are so powerful in their own rights i i absolutely see that appeal well, that's and that's kind of yeah. what yeah that's kind of what I say about GI Joe, um, and I'm also a big fan of Legion of Superheroes, and I, I I may make the same argument for both of them that there are whatever gender or or uh, personality type of person you are and like what you look for in entertainment in those two fandoms there are so many characters that you're bound to find someone that you like, you know. If you if you kind of get the vibe of the show or the comic book or whatever it is, somewhere there's just such a large team of individuals that are so different and so unique. You're gonna go, oh, that guy, that guy makes me smile, or or that girl's kind of cool, or you know, that hero is pretty great. And 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 I I think that's a real big appeal for for teams like that more so than even stuff like say the Justice League, uh, you know, where yeah they're all different, but they're only kind of. For a long time, they're only really differentiated by their power sets, not necessarily their personalities. And I think G.I. Joe is more personality-driven because their personalities mimic their quote-unquote power set. Yeah, well, it has to be, too. You're dealing with human characters and, yeah. and not anything supernatural or extranatural. Uh, so as far as abilities go, they're all relatively the same. You know, no, Nobody's so far out of scope from somebody else. Even if you take you know, somebody who doesn't fight, like, say, you know, a dial tone, and, and you put him in the same room as Snake Eyes, who's, you know, the ultimate ninja, commando expert guy. Mm-hmm. Like, those, their two polar opposites aren't so polar opposite that you couldn't see them working together. Yeah, they've got this baseline of competency. They're better, they're the best of the best, and then you get, say, I, on the, on this, I've always kind of referred to their you know, the specialties as like their superpower, you know, because that's the appeal when you, you're a kid. They're all little superheroes. This guy's a super sailor, you know, for at least for me, it was, you know, this guy's the super ninja. This guy's the super firefighter. And and, and so it's like, that's that. Yeah, I'm a big comic book guy. So that's like, that's where my brain kind of categorizes it as that. But then at, at the base level, there are all these really competent military guys with these base level competencies that gets them through life and is the common bond. Yeah, it, it really is. It's very much teamwork making the dream work. Totally. Absolutely. So today we are watching G.I. Joe Extreme episode Extreme. number Extreme episode number three point of honor. Now, how familiar are you with uh, with the extreme verse? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, I gave I remember giving it a shot way back 
in the day. When this came out the first time, I was in college, so it was not a great shot. <laughs> uh, and in the last couple of days, I watched uh, the first episode, and then I watched the third episode, which you sent to me. Yeah. And then I, I listened to your episode on the first episode, and really that that the last two days pretty much been my my real immersion into the mythos of GI Joe. Well, you know, say, honestly, the same here. I'm 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 watching them prior to the recording, but I'm not watching ahead because I kind of want to be as fresh as I can on it. So I'm learning, like I'm learning the names of the people. I, I, between the first episode and just now this third episode, I'm finally getting the names down of who these guys are. It's a, it's um, it's fun though. And honestly, I like this. I'm real happy with this episode. Point of Honor is, is really, really pretty good. So, so far, so good with this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the... I was always kind of worried about this because I too was in college, so I never saw any of these. So my only real exposure was the word extreme, and I went, I cringed at the word extreme. I was like, ah, do I really? <laughs> okay. But so far, so good. Yeah, from a pop culture standpoint, the 90s were kind of exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, and also, like, visually, it's not 100% my cup of tea, the exaggerated, um, like overly muscular, they they look they all look like literally gorillas. They all look like like it's like it's like a it's like Planet of the Apes because they're all they have the every every character has these huge shoulders and massive hands, you know, and, and tiny heads. Yeah, and tiny heads. Yeah, and and that's a little off putting to me, um, but it actually mirrors the toys they were doing at the time. You know, it, they they really yeah. do capture the look of the toys, especially with the exaggerated poses. So. When I put all that together, I, I respect it. I'm like, oh, okay. Aesthetically, you know, and again, you know, I'm a 45 year old man, so it's not, you know, it, it's shooting for a kid market, obviously. But aesthetically, it may not be my cup of tea. But I totally respect the the choices they were making because they absolutely are mirroring what the toys were. Yeah, and and truthfully, I I, I can respect it just from the standpoint of wanting to keep the property going. Yes. Like yes. what, what they were doing before wasn't moving action figures anymore. So you have to change it up or you're just going to fade away. And I can really appreciate the effort involved in something like G.I. Joe Extreme or before that, uh, which Sergeant Savage, which led into this. Mm -hmm. uh, at least they tried something. Yeah. Oh, and uh, listeners, I, uh, I probably should have done Sergeant Savage before this. It just for whatever reason wasn't on my radar as I was prepping all this stuff i said oh wow yeah they did do one episode of sergeant savage so i am going to do that i found it on youtube i watched it i loved it i thought it was awesome it's captain america meets gi joe uh yeah yeah it was it was it's actually really really fun so i'll probably do that as we you know in the next few weeks and we'll just slide that into the podcast feed so we'll get some sergeant savage going on uh so don't don't you worry listeners well, and, and with that in mind, listeners, if you're out there on the internet, please follow me at Joe on Joe Pod at uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can send me an email to Joe on Joe Pod at gmail.com. Let me know if you want to be a guest on the show, just like Mike. We can Skype you in. Everyone's locked up in quarantine. Hopefully, hopefully you're all safe and sane and doing the right thing and helping out. Everyone get healthy in this country, so we appreciate that. And so why not podcast? So reach out. I'll Skype you in, and we'll get you on an episode. Uh, and Mike, what's your uh, what, where's the best place that people can find What's on Joe Minds, the podcast? 
Ooh, the podcast is, uh, we are at our home on Podbean. So what's on joemind.podbean.com. Fantastic. Uh, find us on Facebook. At uh, the same, that Facebook's probably where we do the most of our uh, social media interaction, although we are also on on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, in, uh, and uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well. Uh, what's on Mind? we occasionally throw up some video content. It's kind of a new thing. Uh, so please go ahead over there, uh, give us some likes, give us some subscribes, and, and get us circulating, and maybe we'll do some more with it. Yeah, and it's it's a really great show. I know you guys, if you haven't listened to it, I know you'll enjoy it. And if you're listening to my show for the first time because you came over from What's on Joe Mind, I hope you enjoy my show and tell your friends and share the word and, and, and all that stuff because we got to keep this Joe community, community alive for sure. With that in mind, Mike, are you ready to jump into uh, episode three? I am ready. Point of honor. So, listeners, if you've got extreme, extreme if you've got the uh, video ready to go, uh, get ready to hit play on it. And here we go. Everything check off. Now, I went two full episodes without realizing his name was Quick Strike instead of just Strike. This is the first thing I watched when I was prepping for, for all this. Uh-huh. So the live action intro threw me. I was it, like, did I, did I, did Joe send me the right link? Yeah. Is this the right program? Right. What's going on here? Yeah, it is kind of jarring. It is kind of like, get you right into it. We're not going to, uh, like, they just go. But this was what we're watching is this is how it aired on, you know, on the, um, like on the broadcast. Like I feel like yeah. I feel like if this were a DVD release, they probably would bundle all these intros together. Although maybe not, though, because this is also what's cool is these live action intros. They do match what they so far they match the the action on the show. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sending quick strike off on the mission that we see in the program. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I was not expecting it. And then when we watched the the second episode uh, with Mayday. When it was over, I was like, that 100% matched the action that she did in that show. That's kind of cool. And same here. So I respect that. It's great. They they did a good job with how those characters look. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like if you're a fan of this, you see, hey, that that's really a pretty good Lieutenant Stone. And, hey, that's really a pretty good Quick Strike. Yeah. And, you know, everyone looks... To, to be honest, for my money, the only two people that I keep getting really confused is I think Stone and Savage look way too similar. You know, as far as maybe just uh, as far as like the helmet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's but but it the, also, let's be fair, hundred percent be fair, the versions that we're watching are old VHS copies, you know, so the uh, the ver- the video is not that crisp, etc. You know, the colors are a little muted, you know, all that stuff. That's really not helping me. Uh differentiate everything and my complete unfamiliarity with them anyway so but this is great so this is um this whole episode focuses on quick strike and we get to learn his origin and this is cool because it answers the question of why stone was so um like say pissy towards quick strike in that first episode yes yeah i actually went back and watched the first one after I watched this one the first time to try and put some of the pieces together and not sound like a total ignoramus. Sure. 
I just wanted to match the level of ignoramus that I normally get on my own program. <laughs> well, you, I guarantee you, you're going into this with more knowledge than I have on, on Extreme. Um, but yeah, in that first episode, they butted heads and he was like, you don't want to help this team. And he's like, yeah, I do, man. You know, and they, and they argued, but they never really said why. Yeah. And it was a little confusing for me, but now I see, oh, wow, this show is going for some type of loose continuity between episodes, which is great. And it is something that they were started doing in the 90s with more and more frequency. Uh, I'm thinking about this show a little bit. Um, Beast Wars, when Transformers Beast Wars, when they started doing it and you watch it and going, are they actually doing continuity from episode to episode? That's amazing. And that was new at the time. Mm. Well, new-ish. New-ish. If anything, the, the the real predecessor for, for this level of character development is probably G.I. Joe. You know, Real American Hero yes is no stranger to yes. getting to the backstory. Yes and no. Yes and no. I'll say yes with they would revisit ideas in later episodes and build on it. But they wouldn't, I don't feel like they did a lot of like like this kind of continuity where it's, you know, they tease out why you hate someone, but they don't, they don't address it that issue. They just say, he doesn't like them, we'll deal with it later. Like on G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, if, if you didn't like someone, you dealt with it in that episode and it was fully, you know what I mean? It was fully explained. Yeah. From a, from a plot perspective, I'll have to agree with you. Right, what I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so like the plotting continuity. The character development episode, maybe not so much. It's, it's probably about the same. You know, we, we saw plenty of character growth in, in Real American Hero with, with a number of characters. A ton of great. And I yes. think that's what they're going with a, lot of, with, with, with a lot of this here. But you're right. Most of those plot points were pretty generic, whereas this is a pretty specific set of circumstances. Yeah, and this is the same production company that did that gave us the X-Men cartoon. And the X-Men cartoon was really heavy with plot continuity, you know, because they were pulling yeah. it directly from the comic books. So they did set up a lot of plot threads. So I appreciate that. You know, as, as, a, as an old school comic book guy, plothead guy, like, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I appreciate that stuff. So we've got Inferno and we've got, um, I keep wanting to say Dark Claw, but it's Iron Claw. Yes. And he's, um, you know he's sending Inferno off on on one of his one of his missions. I love the look of Iron Claw. I think he's great. I love that he's this that they kind of run with this dual identity for him. You know that he's yeah in his civilian life he's seemingly working alongside um, the guy's cl- name's Clancy, correct? I think it was Clancy. Yeah, but the 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 government liaison guy, like he's friends with him, and that's exciting. A little little subterfuge there. So, what's your history with GI Joe in general? Like, were you obviously playing with it as a kid? Did you come to it a little later? Were you there like right from the start? What What's your background with GI Joe, Mike? My older brother was nine, and I was seven in 1982, and so we really didn't stand a chance. <laughs> we were going to we were going to grow up with GI Joe, whether we liked it or not, and thankfully we liked it. Uh, really, just since that point. Uh, both of us really it's something that we both had uh as as a as a as a, a tandem you know something a point of reference that we've, we've had pretty much our entire life and you were saying you these you, guys are much better shots than the, oh they're than their yeah they're excellent well that's the smart thing about this cartoon using robots as the scar soldiers 
yeah. you can just go straight for destruction. I feel like they learned that lesson in the DIC era uh, when they went to like using almost bats exclusively on some of these battles where you could really show the destruction where you couldn't do that. There were so many parachutes in a real American hero because it was it was Cobra Troopers. Um, so now you're, uh, you grew up in, uh, New York, you were saying? Yeah. Long Island. Awesome. And what was your, what was your, like, did you, when you guys say you love Joe, was it all toys? Did you get into the comic books cart or was uh, it everything? The first experience we had with GI Joe was with the comic book. Mm. Uh, after church, some Sunday morning, there was a, there was a convenience store right across the street from the church. Uh, that my dad would stop in and grab the paper on the way home. And Rob, with his allowance one Sunday, picked up a copy of G.I. Joe number five. Nice. Off to the races. That's great. That's great. And you're getting yeah. you're getting in early on. And then was it just every Sunday that you're just heading to that store looking for new stuff? Pretty much, yeah. Or uh, what's more, it was, you know, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so they also in this convenience store were toys. Now we never bought any of the toys there because they were probably marked up twice of what they were everywhere else. But <laughs> yeah, they were probably they were probably a, a, a whopping dollar uh, fifty. Well, I think at a time when when you could get them at. Uh, at Toys R Us or service merchandise or what have you for less than three dollars. Oh yeah, for sure. What what were what were the prices? Was it two fifty? I think that sounds like right. We're going in a commercial break. Actually, we're going to be right back. Today's file card feature is on the Sarge himself, Sergeant Savage. File name Robert S. Savage Jr. He's the artillery and ammo specialist. He survived cryogenic freezing by enemies in World War II and woke 50 years later as a military hero. Totally into his new firepower systems, he has a serious thing for grenades. Sergeant Savage is fascinating to me because Sergeant Savage was the subject of the first post-Real American Hero reboot. Uh, and we actually just recorded the episode for that. Uh, they did one cartoon of that, which they released with the Sergeant Savage and the Screaming Eagles figures. We're going to be releasing that on the podcast soon. So I will cover him and the Screaming Eagles a little, little more in depth during that. However, he is a part of the Extreme line, so we want to cover him. Um, I really loved his cartoon. I thought it was great. I thought it was really well done. Listen for that episode. And I think he totally works with this era. Um, I It kind of does, continuity-wise, tie these in together. And since Sergeant Savage was continuity-wise a part of a Real American Hero, that does make Extreme a part of Real American Hero as well. So... He looks good. His, his outfits, you know, he's bright green. Lots of grenades. Like, when they say he likes grenades, one, two, three, four, five, he's got at least ten grenades on him. I think that's absolutely hilarious. Otherwise, not much else on Sergeant Savage for this go-around. So, Sergeant Savage, Robert S. Savage Jr., we salute you. Here, because we're going back in. I feel like two. I feel like 250 was right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think after taxes, I think so. We're, we're, we're. I have a couple of the old uh, card backs. We're two thirty nine. Yeah. Bag. Oh, that's so crazy. I mean, they must. I mean, so your your friend Mark that used to be in marketing, 
they, they has he ever like shared numbers like the the volume of sales on like a regular just a regular average figure not even like a snake eyes it must have been there must have been so many of those produced at that price point i mean as far as back then sure i mean kirk bazigian's made a lot of those fairly public um so if you've ever caught kirk at, at a con if you ever if you're at a convention ever at a convention with kirk bazigian mm-hmm. go watch his past just go uh the dude remembers everything uh, and he is more than willing to share and engage the fans. And uh, Kirk Bazigian is wonderful. Oh, that's great. Uh, one of the best of the show you can have. But you got to figure that some of those guys, especially in that 84 through 86 run, uh, where the line was really just going out of its mind, uh, there had to be, if not almost a million, maybe some of those guys even got into that seven big category. You got to think, yeah. Just, just the... Just tons of them. It had to be. It cracks me up. It, it cracks me up now when you when you see in, in recent years how the prices of some of these vintage figures have just jumped. And it's simply because of fans freaking out mm-hmm. about not having current products. Because Lord knows there are so many. Like I have a collection going of, of I. I Pick up eighty-six beachheads, nineteen eighty-six beachheads, right? Mm-hmm. And can't get that figure for uh, on on eBay. Uh, every auction that I've followed in the last twelve months has gotten past forty dollars. Wow, loose. And that's crazy because if you go to a show and you pay more than twenty dollars or twenty-five dollars for a good beachhead, like a, a mint type of, of figure. Mm-hmm. You've you've overpaid. Yeah. So that's kind of the market that we're dealing with all this, and and that is not by any stretch a rare character. Uh, that is a character that sold well uh, for the whole two and a half years or whatever of his of his release. And you know we're talking about all this, and, and here's Quick Strike running back into the fray. So oh, he's the hero. Yeah, yeah he really is. And we, listeners, we just had a nice flashback. So basically, they they've been assaulting this uh, uh, Scar base. And when Quick Strike laid eyes on Iron Claw, he we went to a little flashback to Quick Strike working alongside Iron Claw, seemingly, and uh, and a, another dude was strapped into a, a like a mind control kind of a kind of a brainwave scanner, yes, just a, like a scientific you know thing. Now we don't know on the show; we don't exactly know what that was all about yet. That's I like that storytelling move here, that they were confident enough with the kids being able to follow what's going on that they didn't give you all the answers. Like they're not playing out linearly who that dude in the chair was, why was Quick Strike there, what was happening there. They just show that this this dude was strapped in a machine. The machine kind of made his head go haywire and he collapsed out of the machine. And then we're back to the real time with Quick Quick Strike fighting Scar. In the real time, too. Um, yeah, and they do a lot so far. This show is full of a lot of really good storytelling without dialogue. They're they're doing a lot of storytelling through the action. There's some good action scenes, and they're spending on the animation so that they don't... Like, DIC tried to do a lot of action scenes without dialogue, but they weren't spending on the animation. So it all fell very, very flat. How are we supposed to find and anyone I just, in all this snow? 
Yeah, and I, and I think that, that they're actually succeeding on this iteration where you're getting minutes of just shooting and explosions and all that stuff, but you're you're able to enjoy it and follow it because they're doing nice camera angles. The, they're, the, the money is being spent on the animation, and that's so key. Yeah. You said it earlier. This aesthetic is not my cup of tea either. Mm-hmm. But they're doing the best with it that they can. I don't think that they had the biggest budget for this particular program either. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, single cell motion scenes, I guess you could call them, mm-hmm. where you know guys flying and you just you just, just, have just like right now we just saw one. It's a it's a pan across Iron yeah. Claw's face. Yeah, we're gonna go to commercial. Yeah. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna revisit that in one sec. We'll be right back. We'll be rocking right back. You, uh, what you were saying, 100% with the animation and the style, and I think these thick, heavy like black shadows helps hide that. Yeah. But it makes it a little clunkier for my aesthetic taste, but I think it helps hide the, the dollar value. Um, they're also yeah. very much were emulating the popular comic book art style at the time, you know, which was image, which, which was exaggerated poses, pouches, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, it, it feels like if you've ever seen those old Marvel cartoons from the sixties, Oh, yeah. I love those. That's what it feels like we're watching a lot of times. Yes. Yeah, there is a lot of that. I, I do love those, though. I really wish they'd... I actually... I don't know why I say I wish they'd put them on Disney+. Plus. I have them all on DVD. But I love... I'd love to see a cleaned-up version of those because they were great. They're old Jack Kirby panels, like animated and... When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who oppose the mighty shield must yield. Like, that's fantastic. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So much, but it's it's so earnest about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're and you weren't, you know, and at the time when they were airing those, uh, well, when I was watching them in the early eight, you and I, it sounds like we're the exact same age. When I was seeing those on like Channel Thirty Two out of Chicago, those cartoons, I wasn't, I didn't have access to those reprints of those old Marvel comics, so I didn't, I never had had any, you know. I was never exposed to that early Jack Kirby stuff because they weren't reprinting them in trades. They weren't, you know, it was, those are old back issues. And even at the time, they were more expensive than I had the budget for. G.I. Joe has arrived too late to stop me. I wouldn't count on it, man. So now, to, uh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm just going to say we've got uh, Iron Claw and Quickstrike are now, have now confronted each other face to face. And you see that they're familiar, they know each other. They used to work, and now we're going back to the flashback, and we're getting it. We're getting answers. It was his brother who was in that chair that got hurt, and he, the brother was trying to be turned into the ultimate soldier. He wants to wear all the spikes and metal. Those spikes. That's kind of awesome, though. I kind of want. I kind of want that action figure. Because he had. I mean, he had all the spikes and all the guns. Of the extreme. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is this is cool, and it gives a great motivation for why uh, why Quickstrike would leave Scar because they screwed it. You know, they essentially killed his brother. Yeah, and that's you know, it's great motivation. And here he goes, and he's angry, and he's upset. Yeah. Don't don't upset. Yeah, don't upset a Jamaican. He will murder you. Yeah. 
that's the lesson we're learning here, kids. Oh, yep. and actually, I think doesn't yeah, I mean, doesn't he kind of have to kill? Yeah, he kind of kills his own brother, sort of. Yeah. I mean, the explosion knocks him out. Oh, does he smother him? I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he gets to that. Yeah. Well, it's just his tank. Yeah. Nope. Well, that's great. Um, I know my question is maybe his brother shows up on a later episode. Ooh, how great would that be? If he showed up as that spiky dude later on? The lucky bounce of the missile control unit. Yeah, of course. The right of, iron. Of course. So, Mike, we like to ask on this show if you could be a member of the Joe team, extreme or real American hero, quite frankly, at this point. You know, you choose which. Uh, what would your code name be and what would your specialty be? Well, uh, uh, I, I determined this some years ago. Somebody asked me this for some project, and I, I crafted a whole file card for it. I wish I knew where that was, or and I, or I'd share it with you. <laughs> but I was codenamed Crash. Okay. And, and my specialty was I, I was a vehicle driver with, with what was called, uh, I forget what it was called, but basically it was kind of this, this, like this battering ram kind of vehicle that was made to smash out of, of, uh, you know, uh, smash through the, the enemy line, basically this front loaded armed truck that just goes really fast in a straight line. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was essentially, and it, it, it and, and the, the dichotomy of it all was, is that, you know, the file card said, Hey, this is a guy, he, he much like myself, I've done a lot of different things. Uh, I'm a fairly intelligent individual, you know, as a national merit scholar, I, I had, I got good grades. I, I, I try to be smart about things, but at the end of it all, just decided that I needed a job, you know, where just the the goal was just that easy to to maintain and, and you know the pass fail aspect of it was the was the was the draw and so by by being the driver of this vehicle it was real easy to tell if I had a good day or not if I got to the other side it was a great day and if I didn't yeah, then it wasn't a good day and <laughs> I like to have a good day and so I also liked uh, the 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 uh, thought of, of including my own action figure with you know a twenty dollars vehicle. So I was, I was a little bit of a little bit of ego trip there. Sure, yeah, of course. And now the the uh, to fill everybody in the missile control unit was rigged. Uh, quick strike set it up to blow up the the, the missile bunker. So, yeah, so they they were successful in their mission. But it looks like Quick Strike is, is is pretty somber over this rehashing of his history. But we get a nice Lieutenant Stone Quick Strike handshake, gives him a attaboy. And I appreciate that. So like they they're starting to mend their fences. He's starting to trust them. And now we are going to head into uh, this today's PSA, which is a bunch of skateboarders. And very much, yeah, very much pursuant to our conversation earlier about girls and G.I. Joe, about not underestimating them. Oh, man, Freight looks like a 
Frankenstein monster. He looks like he underwent the procedure that killed Quick Strike's brother. And it his worked. shoulders are higher than his head. It worked on him. It turned him into a Frankenstein's monster. And remember, don't judge people till you <laughs> don't give judge him till you give him a chance, Freight. Don't chance. do it. Knowing is half the battle. That's awesome. Didn't they do that exact PSA? Oh uh, yeah. Really- I think they did. I think there. I think you know. There's only so many childhood dangers. There's only so many childhood dangers you can. Uh, you can warn children of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what cracked me up about that PSA was, was you know, the, the little boy says, oh, she can't do this. She's just a girl. And Freight's response to that is, don't be so sure. Like, wow. <laughs> don't be so got... sure she's a girl? <laughs> Is she a girl? We got to check. Let's make sure you girl? check. Before you dismiss her, check under the hood. She might have all the right equipment. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in an extreme world, that would be that would fall under that category. That would be an extreme version of Terrible, childhood you know. of childhood gender reveals. That's where we went. That's, yeah, that that's is, where, that is, that's it's, where listen, I was at on, on the Wednesday night. Yeah, you do enough of these, that's where you get. Well, Mike, this has been a real pleasure, man. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe, and thanks for putting on a great program. It's very clear that you have a ton of fun with this, and I think that's the most important thing. Totally, man. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I definitely do, and I'm glad to be back doing it. And listeners, remember, go out there, find what's on Joe Mine, listen to it, support Mike, support Joe Colton, support Mark, support everybody in the Joe community. We are uh, we are small but growing, and we're going to have a big fall. I know we are. Those new figures look amazing, by the way, the six-inch figures. I'm in. Absolutely. And if you need to know more about those, Check us out on YouTube on the Lozondo. Yeah, you guys just did a great you guys just did a great great episode about Destro. I appreciated that for sure. It's uh, I will uh, I will send my co-host your way. See if they want to do some extreme. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This, this is a much better show than it was a toy property. Yes, I agree. I agree. Looking at the toys, their limited articulation. They look a little, you know, extreme, but um, the show is very enjoyable so far. So, listeners, thank you so much for going on this ride with us. Remember, follow me at Joe on Joe Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send me an email to Joe on Joe Pod at gmail.com. And Mike Irizari, uh, codenamed, file name Crash, now you Joe, and Joeing is half the battle. Extreme! Extreme!